Hey, welcome everybody to the episode two of the Hunt and Ain't Easy podcast. I'm Mike Costello, and I'll be your host today. Also, have to make my declaration that uh, I'm a new hunter. After four seasons of deer hunting in California, I still haven't taken my first buck. So, on that basis, I'm a rookie, new to the game. And hopefully this year being my fifth season, I'll find success in the backcountry of California. And I'm looking forward to every minute of figuring out how to close the deal on my first buck here in California. So I'm experiencing a little bit of FOMO, a little fear of missing out right now. Um, California draw entries are in. And of course, I threw in for the, the typical lottery <laughs> of. Uh, for elk and sheep, um, antelope, which nobody can rightfully expect to draw. Um, I'm not at max points. I have, I think, just three points in each of those species. And so mathematically, I will never make it to max points. Um, the draw will outlive me in that regard. But uh, we do have... Uh, on those species, we do have random draw opportunities. And so I basically focus on those areas, those zones and, and tags that I, I might have a chance or I have the best chance of, of pulling a tag randomly and I just throw in. And so it's my annual donation on deer, elk, I'm not deer, antelope, elk and sheep here in California. Um, but in terms of deer, uh, I've got, I've got three points. And so it clicked with me this year that there's about, I don't know, six, six to 10 zones or, or tags that I could actually pull with three points. And so, you know, I'm of the mind that mindset that I'd rather be hunting than sitting on points. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'd rather hunt uh, an X zone or a special draw zone or season here in California. You know, every three to four years, you know, hunt something five times or have the opportunity to get out there five times over the next 25 years rather than wait for like the good ale hunt or, you know, the Doyle hunt. And, and wait, you know, 18 to 20 years or more since I'm at the back end of, of the point creep. Um, so with three points, I started looking at these zones that, uh, that I might have a shot at. And I decided that my strategy was going to be um, that this season, this year, I would get out and scout three of the zones that I have a shot at and and dedicate some time this season, this year, to getting to know at least three of these zones and hopefully in doing so, identify some patterns of the deer, identify, you know, if I can find an area that's got, you know, a few impressive bucks that I could actually target. Um, so I don't want to just throw in for one of these zones and, and pull that tag 
and have no idea how to hunt it um, or even where the deer are. You know, one of the things that I see on in the social media world and it just cracks me up and it happens every season in every Facebook group, whether it, whether it's, you know, Oregon bear hunting group or Arizona, you know, deer hunting, Arizona elk hunting, California, you know, hunting groups. Um, every year there's always the, Hey, wow. You know, I drew this awesome tag. You know, can somebody tell me where to go? And the, the shit show, <laughs> <laughs> that is the response that comes out from that and often rightfully so is just horrible you know I, I really think that people owe themselves and the community to a degree um you know don't draw a tag unless you have a concept of how to hunt it like just like have a no know, know why you're throwing in for that tag other than everybody else is thrown in for that tag. So, um, you know, that's just my, that's just my approach. That, that's my belief. If I'm going to, if I'm going to wait three or four years or 10 years or however long I'm going to wait for this special tag that a limited number of people get, and I'm going to try to, you know, pull that tag. And then I do, um, pull it, especially if I know that I have a good chance of pulling it. Like, wait another year and then go scout that zone when you know that you're in in the money when you know that you're in the running for a guaranteed tag go out and scout it and you know have an idea of how you're going to hunt it that's my thought is have an idea of how you're going to hunt it before you pull the tag otherwise there's a really good chance that you're your year with that special tag <clears throat> is basically going to be a scouting year. And then you're not going to, you're not going to see the deer that you want to see. You're not going to know the habitat and the region. You're not going to know the zone the way you should, when you actually want to hunt it. So this is my approach this year is uh, I, I drilled down to, to three, three zones that are within reach for me, uh, either via a, uh, an early season archery only, you know, tag within one of these X zones or, or with the general season, you know, rifle tag, um, general season tag that allows rifle, you know, any legal weapon, uh, for one of these X zones. So I've got half a dozen or more, maybe 10. I chose three. And I chose them based on, you know, just do they look pretty? <laughs> yeah, looking at looking at looking at some e scouting, um, looking at the maps, looking at some topography. You know, do they have the topography that's attractive to me? Do they have topography that I think I can figure out? And um, and so I, I selected those three, and then I said early earlier this year in, in the spring in April. Uh, we've had this terrible winter. We've had the very, you know, very weak winter in terms of, of snowfall, especially, you know, late snow. And so I could see that that a lot of these areas were opening up where the roads were opening up in April. And I figured, okay, April and May, I can get out and scout some of these areas. And I realized that 
I'm not going to see all the deer that I would see, say, later in the season, later in summer, because they won't be up at the high high elevation just yet. But I decided I would get out. I do do some e scouting, um, and and then get some boots on the ground. Uh, so I, I did the e scouting to select which three zones I wanted to focus on, and uh, I used the CDFW resources online. <clears throat> Department of Fish and Wildlife here in California has some really good resources online for each zone. They've got obviously got a map. They also have a, a report that uh that identifies um common places that that hunters are having success you know which mountain ridges which valleys which which general areas what the habitat's like you know is it a migration hunt you know or where are the deer in the early season mid season late season for that for that hunt so i use those reports i use the um spot map kills uh now cdfw doesn't have spot map kill data for all the zones in california but they do for most of the central to northern california regions um, and so i can go in there and see historically going back literally like 20 years almost you can see where people have reported harvesting a buck um, so that's kind of cool uh, now of course not every buck is reported and you know i'm sure some people you know, if they're they're not going to identify the exact drainage that they're in, they might identify approximately, you know, within a, a quarter mile, some landmark that they're that they're nearby. But it get, again, it's a data point that gives me an idea of where people are having success, how the the hunter success intersects with or overlays with the topography, and so I use a lot of the resources initially on the CDFW website, and and I think. You know, for those people that, that go online, you know, go to Facebook and say, hey, where should I go? You know, this is a resource that people need to know about. People need to do some of their own work, some of their own homework, um, because not everybody is going to see this information the same way I see it. You know, I'm going to run through my filter that's based on my experience, and I'm not necessarily going to choose the same path as, as somebody else. Uh, and every hunter needs to kind of develop their own their own skill set and technique and their own filter for viewing the same data that everybody else has access to and come up with their own strategy. And so I start with CDFW information and then I go to uh, Google Earth. Um, I'll go as far as looking at alltrails.com, you know, people, you know, backpacker hiking reports. I'll look at peak bagger, summit post reports to, to see if people that are out there are trying to, trying to, you know, just do day hikes and, and whatnot, see what their, their feedback is on access to certain peaks or regions or ridges. Um, and then of course I use, uh, on X, on X maps, which is just a tremendous resource. I have been 100% an on X user for the last several years. And I think it's, it's, it is one of the most powerful tools for the hunting community. Uh, there's obviously other mapping options that are, that are developing, you know, go hunt has, has just come out with their mapping tools yeah there's base base map which i've never used um but another tool that i i've started using this year in the um in the e-scouting game is gaia gaia maps um it's powerful it's almost too powerful it's one of those things where you get into it you're like man there's so much going on here yeah there's so many different layers available dozens of layers available 
that it it it, it might be a little overwhelming. Uh, I think that's one of its biggest drawbacks is, you know, whereas Onyx is truly developed for uh, hunting um, and it's got, you know, a, a layer layer system that is focused on hunting. Gaia has a layering system that's focused on anything and everything, you know, map based, uh, numerous different topographical features, uh, recent recent satellite views historical satellite views, weather views. There's just a lot going on there. But uh, anyways, so my e-scouting approach is to use a lot of different resources, kind of overlay that information, you know, mentally myself, and then uh, identify, you know, where are, where's an area in this zone that I can get into, spend a day or two and covering some ridges, uh, you know, figuring out what my access point is. You know, the first time I went into one of these regions uh, in early May, uh, I went with my son and, and we parked at like 6,000 feet and we hiked up to 7,000 feet or so, 7,200. 7, and so we spent some time getting up to this ridge. And of course, when we got up to the top of this ridge specifically, uh, we've, we found there's the road. <laughs> and so we could have driven in and and i'm i like to hike in um i like to be beyond the road and so but you know i'm not going to hike just for the sake of hiking um normally and so if i have the opportunity to drive to 7200 feet i'm going to do that and then i'm going to spike out from there um so i did my e-scouting selected the three zones selected the the areas that i would initially focus on that i thought they looked bucky um you know, based on, you know, fire history, you know, Google views of the habitat, you know, north, south, east, west facing drainages, water, etc. And um, in May, I uh, scouted all three of these zones on five trips, uh, got into one of the zones three times, got into the other two zones once. And, um, did some scouting, did some glassing, figure out how I would get in there again if I was to go in there and hunt or spend more time. And then I placed some cameras in each of these, each of the zones. And so put a couple cameras up. And so my strategy at this point, as much as I would love to pull one of those tags this year, uh, I kind of stuck to my, my principles of figured out before throwing in for the tag and uh, I'm gonna go back to those cameras in November of this year. We're usually pretty dry up into November. And so I expect, I am certain that two of these areas, even though we're up at you know seven to 8,000 foot elevation, two of these areas will be dry enough in November that I can get into them and, and pull those cameras and see what the, the prior five to six months show me in terms of animal life, wildlife, you know, are there bucks? Are there big bucks? You know, if I'm going to pull a, 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 a draw tag in California, of course, I'm going to want to find some bigger than average bucks. I'm going to want to find some four pointers. I'm going to want to find some older bucks that, that have some mass and, and have mass in the antlers, but also mass in the body, you know? Um, and so, Got the cameras out. I'll go back in after the hunting season um, and see what that habitat shows me. 
in terms of wildlife and animal population. It's basically an opportunity to take inventory of what's walking the woods uh, in those areas. The other interesting thing is because there will have been an archery season, there will have been a whole summer of, of random folks hiking and backpacking. There will have been an archery season and there will have been a, a, a general season in these areas. Um, you know, some of these cameras are you know, half a mile from an access point, and some of them are all the way up to, to five to six miles and a few thousand feet in elevation from an access point. So they're spread out. Um, I think there's a decent chance that they will see zero people. Uh, the way I select my camera locations, I'm usually pretty good about putting them in spots that just don't see other people. They don't see humans, um, which is cool. And so, um, but, you know, where I've put them, they might be super popular too. And, and maybe I just chose the path of least resistance that everybody else will choose as well. And so I'll see lots of hunting pressure on them, but I'll get an idea in November when I get in and pull these, um, I'll get an idea of what's, what's going on in the woods. And so, you know, I'll learn whether or not my e-scouting approach ends up matching up with reality. Um, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, you know, going into a, to pull a camera, pull an SD card, um, after several months like that, it's, it's, it's a little bit more nerve wracking than, you know, Christmas morning for a 10 year old kid. <laughs> um, there's, there's time invested both getting there and putting them in there, but there's also time invested in just waiting and letting nature do its thing and letting that camera do its thing. So I will be giddy and nervous and excited when I go in there to pull these cameras because, you know, there's a chance that they won't show me anything, which means I'm back to, back to, uh, you know, back to zero, back to a blank slate on, on what I think I know. Um, but there's also a chance that they'll tell me, they'll show me something where I'll be like, damn, I should have hunted this. Um, but you know what, if those bucks are there in, if those bucks are there in October, uh, November, <laughs> they'll be there next year too. Uh, not all of them. I know there's, there's predation and, and really good bucks get hit by cars every year. And, uh, some bucks don't make it through the winter, but in my experience, you know, it's most mature bucks are going to make it through the next year. Um, that's, that's the odds. The odds are in my favor with that. So, um, I'm not going to hunt those this year. And I'm going to stick to my principles and, and wait to see what they show me. And then I'll have, uh, I'll have another trip into each of these zones. I'll have the data that I've pulled from the cameras. And, uh, and then I can look at next year over the winter and, and really decide, you know, I'll have four points at that, at that point. Um, I'll have a good idea, you know, I have another, another, um, another year of watching point creep. So I'll have a better idea of what point creep is doing. You know, some zones go up a point, you know, yearly, some zones go up uh, a quarter point to a half a point yearly. And so I'll have a better idea of where my sure bets are and I'll have an idea of where I want to hunt.
So I'm excited about that. Um, these zones are so different. Uh, there, you know, one of them is one of them reminded me of, of the desert. You know, it's a lot of sage, um, in the lower elevations. Uh, one of them had uh, a pretty significant burn in the last couple of years that I think is going to prove to be really good for the habitat as that, as that, uh, habitat comes back. So that's going to be cool to watch. And, um, one of the zones is just truly like, you know, high mountain uh, alpine above timberline. Um, you know, it gets, it goes from 6,000 foot elevation in the valleys up to over 10,000 foot elevation on the top ridges. And it's got numerous different layers of habitat between the, it, between that valley and that top ridge. Um, when I was hiking in, uh, I saw, I saw a, a just a, a solid, solid buck for me, especially as a new hunter, um, big body antlers were starting to butt out and it looked like it had Coke cans growing out of its head. I mean, these, these antler nubs were the size of my wrists and they were going out, you know, laterally and they could, you could see the, see the, see the, the splits, the, the forks starting to form. And so that buck alone, you know, seeing that buck at about 8,000 or so in an old fire scar, um, you know, lots of dead standing timber with, uh, with new, with new growth coming in underneath it. Uh, I know where that buck is or was in early May. And, uh, I'm betting that that buck will be there again next year. So, and I'll, I'm also betting that he'll show up on, on some of my cameras. And so these, these areas are really different, but I'm certain that, that come November, I'm going to have a lot of information to play with and chew on and, and think about between, um, November and, you know, April of next year when I'll, I'll make the decision on which of these zones to hunt. So, but anyways, I can't, I can't understand, I can't understate it enough. I think, you know, getting to know your zone, whether it's an over-the-counter hunt that you can go into, you know, every year and kind of, kind of make it your own or, um, or a lottery, you know, a draw zone, um, you know, putting some time in and developing an idea of how and where you would hunt it and why you would hunt it that way is so valuable, uh, especially for these special tags that take truly take years and sometimes, you know, hundreds of dollars to invest it to, uh, to pull. So that's, that's my approach on those. So pivoting, where will I hunt this year? Uh, I'm going to hunt, as you may guess, areas that are familiar to me. I'm four years in on hunting. Uh, I've, I've spent a considerable amount of time, uh, truly probably over a hundred days and nights in one specific area here in California. That's, that's, uh, it's accessible. Um, it's heavily trafficked in terms of backpackers and day hikers, but in terms of hunting, it's backcountry because you take, I got to get back in about three or four miles to get past all those, all those day hikers. Um, and, uh, so I've got that, that area 
Um, and then I'm going to hunt another area that will be, this will be my third season going into. I've been studying it and, and spending time there and trying to figure out, you know, dozens, hundreds of hours of e-scouting, picking it apart. Um, and then also hiking in and, and then hunting it last year, actually the last two years I've hunted it. Um, and then there's another area that's fairly accessible for me, um, that I've only been, you know, kind of digging into, uh, last season and then more this year. And so I'm, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to focus on a, a couple tags that give me exposure to, um, several, several different zones here in California. And I'm going to use my approach of, you know, any zone, you know, it's a, it's a multi-year pursuit. It's a, it's a puzzle that takes time and years to develop the answers of where the animals are at different times a year, different times a day, um, and then how to hunt those, those bucks in that habitat. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> an example of familiarity being important, I think it goes back to, or takes me back to that first zone that I ever hunted here in California. And the one I'm going back into for my fifth time or my fifth season this year. Um, so this, let's just look at this focused area. Once I get back into that, the backcountry area, um, of it, it's, the, the trailheads start at about 6,000 feet or another access point is like 6,600 feet. Uh, the area I'm hunting is in the 7,000 foot range. So it's not a lot of elevation gain. Um, you know, the lakes are the same. The trails in are the same. The camping areas are the same for four years. Uh, the fact that there's a lot of you know, human traffic back there is the same, especially throughout the summer, summer months is the same every year. There's, there's backpackers, there's camps set up, um, there's day hikers. So I went into this zone for the first time. I'm just going to take some time to break down, like how this zone progressed for four years. Um, and show, I think it shows why it's valuable to spend some time in one area. Um, so 2017, was my first year hunting and I went in this area because it was a, a not too bad of a drive to get to. And I, and I'd hiked in there before as just a day hiker backpacker. Um, and it looked like, you know, surely there's gotta be deer. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what deer habitat should like look like. Um, but I'm like, it's four miles back in. This is the woods. This is the wilderness. There's some varied terrain. There's got to be deer in here. And so I started hiking back in, scouting it in 2017. I hunted it in 2017, probably uh, maybe a 10, 10 days of hunting, uh, maybe three, you know, three long weekends in this area. And I swear to you, I could have come out of this, this specific area and said, there's no deer in California. In fact, I could have said there's no bears and there's no squirrels. <laughs> like there's no wildlife in California. It was the most bizarre thing that, you know, to trot to, to be traipsing around the woods with a gun for, you know, probably a dozen days before the season started. 
and then a dozen days during the season and see no deer. Um, it wasn't until the last day or two of the season, even that I kind of changed direction, started going up to the top of a ridge more so than hiking down into drainages. It wasn't until those last two last day or two of the season where I actually found some a legitimate amount of deer sign, you know, in terms of scat and some tracks and trails and whatnot. So <clears throat> super frustrating first season hunting. Um but that last two days where I found a fair amount of deer sign, like gave me that light bulb moment where I was like, okay, I'd been doing it wrong. Sir, uh, clearly I'd been looking in the wrong areas. Um, and now I found this season's over too late, but I have one piece of the puzzle. I have, you know, one more piece of the puzzle than I did have when I started this season. So that kind of gave me, you know, a little bit of inspiration that, that there's hope. Um, 2018, I discovered trail cameras, put a couple out and, uh, I put them out, I think in like late June or early July. So checked them a few weeks later, checked them way too often actually, but they showed me, you know, there's actually about a half dozen legal bucks right in this small area that I've been focused on. And they're right there. You know, they were there the year before too. I'm sure um, they didn't just drop in out of out of uh, out of a helicopter. And so the deer are there. So it gave me this this proof of life thing where the the wildlife is there. Saw saw um, some really cool looking bears for the first time on these on these cameras. And so 2018 um, again hiking walking through the woods with a gun throughout the hunting season, I had the same experience as the year before. I didn't see a single deer. Um, I did get a, a, a glimpse of a, of a black bear, just jet black bear. Um, we saw each other for about two seconds and it boogied like a, it, it moved like a racehorse up over about a 45 degree slope of granite and disappeared. And of course, I spent the next couple hours trying to see if I could catch it, catch up to it, or or get around that ridge and, and get a glimpse of the bear. But it was gone. But uh, that was cool. Um, again, you know, pieces of the puzzle being put together. But but for 2018, even though I'd seen, you know, these trail cam picks with these animals on them, I wasn't seeing actual deer. Um, so super frustrating, but uh, again, I know the deer are in there, and uh, and then 2019, I decided, you know what, I'm up here scouting in August and late August, early September. I'm scouting um, during archery season. Uh, I uh, said I, I need to get a, I need to get a bow, and I I need to have a tag, or my tag is already good for archery season in this area because it's actually it's one of the the over the counter tags that you can cover both archery season for three weeks, four weekends, and you can cover the general season. So I've already got the tag at this point, and I I decided to get a bow. And there's lots of first timer bow <laughs> stories and drama, but I do have a bow uh, when hunting season starts, and uh, 
I, I figured a couple of things out. I had bumped a buck um, in this spot that uh, it's kind of an opened up area. It's not, not in the dense timber. The timber is a little more, you know, loosely spaced and um, you know, bucks when they're in velvet, they don't, they don't like to bump into trees and brush as much. And so made sense that this buck was in this area, but I bumped this buck uh, at like 9 a.m. on a, on a day. And I decided, well, next time I go up, I'm going to put myself in that same spot around 9 a.m. Yeah. Basically I'm going to do the same thing that I did the week before in terms of starting at the top of the ridge and then still hunting down through, through the woods to get to this spot at roughly the same time as when I bumped that buck last time. And, uh, and lo and behold, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it, but I'm, I'm still hunting through this area and I pull up and, 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 and find this buck, uh, same buck, I'm sure kind of a high, tall, tall antlered, um, three by two, I believe. And it's standing there. I think I must've bumped it out of its bed, but it's standing there. Uh, it's not aware of me. The thermals have just started to kick in. So I've got, I'm hunting basically downhill, uh, on a, on a fairly light slope, but downhill. So the thermals are coming up in my face. And so I'm, I'm 22 to 25 yards away from this buck. And, uh, I take my first shot ever on any animal with my bow. Um, now the buck was effectively standing between a couple trees that were between me and the buck and the branches of these trees are not really intertwined or laced together to where there's no clear path through them, but I'm fairly certain that my arrow clipped a branch, um, because it, uh, it didn't hit the buck <laughs> and it did break. And so I'm fairly certain that the arrow clipped a branch and, uh, and, and went off in a couple different directions. Of course, the buck bailed out of there and I spent, uh, I spent the next few hours. I wasn't sure if I'd hit it or not. I, I hadn't, I, I wasn't able to immediately find the arrow, uh, pieces. And so, I thought, well, shoot, you know, I might've hit the buck, didn't see any blood, but I, I was able to, to follow the buck, you know, it's direct where it went. And, um, it bailed down into uh, a little bit of a lower drainage and into some kind of real lush brush and trees and, you know, a little bit of, there's a little Creek down in there. And so I, I was able to follow it. And when I, when I saw, when I relocated the buck, maybe a half hour later, um, there was another buck of similar caliber coming up through that area. So I'm like, God, these, these deer are here. Um, but, uh, I ended up going back to where I'd shot and, uh, to, to confirm whether or not there was any blood and really scoured that area and found both the part of the, the arrow that was holding that had the broadhead and then the back end of the arrow. And so broken arrow, no blood, buck is fine and i must have clipped a branch but damn lessons learned so that's 2019 third year in 
Um, and then I also had a shot that year during archery season, I think the following weekend where I got up on a, on a small knob or small ridge and uh, wind was in my face. So it was really good. And I was just kind of hunkered down in, in some behind some bushes, kind of back up against a tree and, and waiting because I knew that this area um, bedded, deer bedded up on this ridge um, frequently. And so I, uh, I'm sitting there and, and within, you know, less than an hour, uh, a doe comes kind of tiptoeing up the ridge and behind her, there's a, there's a forky and I'm third year in, I'm going to shoot a legal buck. Um, unless it unless it just is absolutely, well, I'm going to shoot a legal buck. Let's be honest. So, and there's this fork horn behind her, the doe. And they are, there's no shot on the forky because he's truly like right behind this doe. And so I'm waiting for them to separate a little bit, but she's kind of tiptoeing towards me and then don't come too close. Cause you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see me or, uh, and, and bust out, but, uh, they get separated a little bit and I kind of roll to my knees. I was sitting on my butt and now I kind of roll to my knees and, um, they can't smell me cause the wind is good. And they can't make me out completely, but uh, we have a little bit of a stare down for several minutes, I think, and uh, felt like it at least several minutes. And when I do finally go to try to raise my bow and draw it back, of course, they they figured out that this is bad and and they bounced out of there. So uh, 2019 had had two close encounters with bucks in this area where two years before I hadn't seen anything. And so what it means is it's time in the area, figuring out how how it lays out, how the deer spend their time, and just how to hunt, you know, how to how to play the thermals, how to play the wind a little bit, um, and be patient. And uh, and so then 2020, fourth year in, I'm thinking I'm going to get this done. Like I I've, I know where there's some deer. <laughs> I've, I've had two in two encounters that, that should, that could have been, uh, successful. And, uh, I went in, of course, last year was so jacked up. Um, COVID messed up with some, th- messed some things up, but really the, the fires here in California were, were bad. And us forest service did something which I completely disagree with. They basically shut down all the forests as a preventive measure. Um, I get it. I understand you know, no, no campfires, no ignition, no, you know, basically cold camping, no fires at all. Okay, that's fine. But don't take away the access. Um, but that's California and that's, and, and maybe all the Western states have this issue with, you know, the, the complex challenge of how do you prevent fires when people are idiots and they go in the forest and they still, still start them even when they're not supposed to. So anyways, um, Last year, I ended up because of fire closures and the other areas I was scouting, I really only spent uh, any time in this zone that I'd become familiar with uh, during archery season. And so I, I, I changed up my approach. I had figured out where I thought some of the travel corridors were. And instead of me walking around and breaking twigs and making noise and spreading my scent all over the place, like I had the prior three years, um, I decided to, to basically set up, you know, do kind of like a, a ground blind type hunt or an ambush type hunt where I figured I, I knew 
bucks and and bears were were frequently traveling through and um and that's how i hunted most of the zone for archery season and sure enough just about every sit um i either saw a doe a small buck or bears and so by settling down and not moving so much and having figured out where these animals are, are traveling on a frequent basis. I saw, I saw way more animals. Um, I think the same doe came through this, this spot that I was sitting, uh, a couple times. Um, I know for certain that a spike by fork bucks, so it was a legal buck, but it was small. Um, and it, by now, my cameras had showed me that there were some four by fours in this area. There were some three by fours and there were some good looking bucks in this area. So when I saw the spike by fork, uh, but I second guessed whether I, you know, I, I was in a, in a position to take a shot, but then I was also second guessing. And so I wasn't ready. Uh, and that's fine. Um, I, I effectively passed on two opportunities with that deer because I was either not ready or not, not physically ready or not mentally ready to take the shot. But, um, I, I saw a lot of bears. I had about 10 encounters with bears in this area over three trips in. And so finally, this is when I, I harvested my, uh, my first big game animal in California, did it with a bow and I was able to take a bear. Um, so this is my, this is kind of, and I'll, I'll go into the bear story later when we talk more about bear hunting, but, uh, this is my, this is my, my, my basis for saying that getting to know a zone, not just getting to know a zone, but getting to know a, a small area, you know, a, a, a two to three square mile area within a zone is, is how most hunters are going to increase their success in in hunting um if you're if you're always bouncing around like if you're not sure where to hunt like you feel like oh you know i hunted this one area last year and it sucked i didn't see anybody or didn't see any deer saw too many people um you, know, you can change spots uh and be in the same spot same potential position of not knowing where you where or how to hunt it the next season or you can go back to that spot and just continue to pick it apart and and i'm of the mindset that even in california where the herd numbers are low uh predator numbers are high deer numbers are low even in california there are good legal bucks in every zone and in most areas of those zones, at least during some time of the year. Now, now you might need to find an area that, um, you know, if you're in a lower elevation area, that's, that's kind of a, you know, it's going to have more deer in the winter due to migration then then maybe you need to, to get up to a higher elevation area. But the, I can't say it enough, like getting to know the area that you're hunting year in and year out is going to give you the basis and the foundation to build build for success. Um, you're going to see things every trip in. You're going to see things that you hadn't seen before. I mean, last year is my fourth year into this zone, and it finally clicked with me 
that this low green shrub that I'm seeing everywhere is oak. <laughs> like it just, it just like appeared that there's these green acorns in mid, mid to late August all over these low bushes. And, and you, you think of an oak as being this tree or at least this tall shrub that, that eventually can, can grow into a, a tree shaped form. Well, this is like a two foot deep bush that's just sprawling out over everything that I, you, when you look at it from a distance, you think, well, that might be manzanita. Um, you know, it's hard to tell, maybe you don't know what it is, but you don't think of it as an oak. And so last year I realized there's green acorns on this shrub and bears love acorns <laughs> as do deer. So, uh, you know, go where the food is. Um, but it took four years for this damn, this, this, this detail to click in my mind of what I was looking at, what I was hiking past and what that opportunity meant, what that resource meant in terms of an opportunity to find animals. So spending time in the area, you're going to, you're going to learn it. You're going to put those pieces of the puzzle together sooner and, um, and, and, and in better detail and the picture of how and where to hunt that, that small area is going to become more and more clear. And I think that's, that's a key to success. So that's my, that's where I, that's my preaching. Um, you know, people go on, on Facebook into the group and say, Hey, how do I hunt this? Where do I hunt this? And really it truly is just get out there, get out there and start walking the woods that you can get into on a regular basis and, and start putting together those pieces of the puzzle. Where do you see sign? Where do you don't, where do you not see sign? Um, you know, when you go out, when I go out in the woods, um, every trip, I have, I'm, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn something. Even if I don't see anything that tells me something, you know, if I do see sign it, I can take that piece and put it, to, put it into the puzzle. So there's really only one way. And that's, um, well, there's two ways there's e-scouting because you can do that from home and you can do that for endless, ridiculous hours late at night when you should probably be sleeping um, and just, uh, you know, it's part daydreaming and part fact finding mission when you're e-scouting and then you get out there and do the, do the boots on the ground scouting um, and hunting and put those, put those uh, details together to where you're going to become more successful, I think. Um, so this year I've got three, three areas that I, that I know or have experience in. And, uh, one of them, I'm going back to this, this, uh, this small, it's probably, like I said, maybe, you know, three or four square mile area that is, uh, most of it's highly trafficked. There's trails going through it. Um, there's campground, there's camping areas, you know, backpack camping areas. And, uh, another thing about California hunting and really any, any hunting in a populated area, I see a lot of people complain, Oh, it's like a war zone in there. Like there's so many people. And, um, the areas that I'm hunting in California, none of them, you know, the trailheads 
are not hard to get to. Uh, where I'm spiking off the trail or the road to go into what I what I consider backcountry, you know, off trail, two to five miles deep, it's all accessible. Like it's there's no mystery. It's all general area, but I don't see people. I do not run into people when I'm hunting. I may see them on the trail or in the camping areas before I get to where I'm going to hunt. But where I'm going to hunt might only be a half mile further deep. I don't see people. My cameras, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up just like one or two people across all my cameras each year. Uh, and when I'm out there hunting, literally uh, in four years, maybe 100 days during in season total now, um, I don't know, maybe not 100, maybe 80, 80 to 100 days in season hunting in California, I have, you know, personally come into contact with and seen like at the trail or, you know, I could see their tent, um, other people hunting maybe a half a dozen times. So it's possible to get out there and, and get beyond the pressure. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think, I think, you know, people, if, if you're, if you're running into too many people and that's your complaint, then, then you just need to get on that map and, and, and do a little more work. And, uh, and you can get, you can get outside of, of where the people are. Um, it's entirely doable. So anyways, I'm hunting these three areas. Um, one is the, the place I've been going to for four years, this will be my fifth year in there. I'm actually going to try a tree stand. I think that my, my strategy last year of, of just not moving as much and getting down in, in time into a, a ground blind kind of ambush setup. Um, I think that worked. Uh, but I also think that the deer in this area play the wind and they've got a choice of three different travel corridors for everything that they want to do. If they want to go from point A to point B, they've got three different ways that they can go, endless ways they can go. And depending on the, the thermals and the wind uh, and time of day, they're going to use whichever travel corridor gives them the best safety and advantage. And um, so I'm going to try a tree stand in this area and get up off the ground hopefully throw my scent a little further away than than where I am and uh, hopefully that'll that'll give me a little bit of an advantage um, certainly from a from a visual perspective and being able to see what's coming my way it'll give me an advantage and so I'm going to try that out in that area and then if I can see where they go to bed down um, you know I expect that they this area because of some of the traffic they, they won't bed down in the open but i can if i can see where they go to bed down then i'll be in a position to know um kind of what their pattern is later in the season too when they're not when they're hard horn and they're and they're staying in the timber so that's that's one of the zones and then the third zone is, is similar um <clears throat> except it doesn't have a lot of traffic doesn't have a lot of backpacker hiking traffic it's it's very much higher elevation, you know, in the, the 8,500 to, to 9,000 or almost 10,000 foot elevation, big high ridges, you know, there's about a five mile ridge and drainage is off to the side, each side of it that I'm going to focus on. And so I've got these three backcountry hunt opportunities 
Um, there are zones that I've been in uh, for one to four years, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to putting the time in this summer. And I'm going to continue to focus on, you know, I'm going to put some cameras out, but I'm going to really focus my my scouting time on um, <clears throat> on on figuring out how to glass up the deer that are in there and 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 watch them bed down and see where they're going to bed down. Because I think that's what I've been missing is the cameras have been giving me an idea of inventory, you know, okay, there's deer here and I'll continue to do that. But I haven't, in terms of scouting, I haven't gotten my preseason scouting dialed in to where I'm watching deer on the hoof, watching where they go to bed down, watching how they move throughout the morning. And then also seeing where are they coming out from in the evening? You know, if they're coming out in the evening, are they just popping up out of the bush? You know, are they bedded down roughly, you know, basically in the open, but hidden? And then they just pop up or are they coming out of the woods in the evening? So that's going to be my focus this, this summer is figuring out how to glass them up and keep an eye on them and then seeing what they're doing. Because I think that's the piece of the puzzle that's been missing. I've, I've had inventory numbers. I've had, you know, trail camera pictures showing me that they're there, but I, I haven't figured out what they're doing. Um, so that's my plan this year. Uh, obviously, um, if you want to see some of the bucks that I've, that I've scattered up and the bears uh, that I've scattered up through, you know, trail cam, like I said, inventory, you're taking inventory of these areas, you know, check out hunting ain't easy at Instagram. Um, my personal page has, uh, quite a few of them as well. Um, Costello nine, five, six, nine, one at Instagram. So check out those resources. Let me know what you think of some of these animals and, um, I'll, I'll continue to update, you know, the, the Insta with, with some of the, the scouting, uh, trips and, and scouting details and trail cam pictures as, as they come to me, you know, this, uh, this summer. And uh, as I get out there and explore and, and, and do the scouting. So look forward to that. And uh, if I come up with something really awesome, I'll, um, I'll share some details here on, on the next podcast. But uh, FOMO aside, I, uh, I'm sticking to my principles on, on how, to, how to hunt a limited opportunity zone like the X zones here in California by putting in time and effort before I throw in for them in the draw and I'm, then I'm focusing on some areas that I know hold, uh, hold good bucks, hold plenty of bears. And, uh, and I'm going to put in the time to, to, to continue to scout them and, and, and close this thing out this year with my first harvest of a buck. But, uh, until then, uh, I'm Mike Costello. I haven't shot a buck yet in California. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast, and uh, thanks for listening.